Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast. My name's Ned Buskirk, your host. Your mortal host, your fragile bag of precious mortal flesh and bones. Happy to be speaking into this microphone again for another episode. This is a special episode. All the episodes are special, but this one is special because it's got a good friend of mine on it, and I guess by now all the episodes have friends of mine, but John Elliott is a friend from very far back in the You're Going to Die story, and he also is a slice of a particular version of what You're Going to Die has always been in the world as far as I'm concerned. And it is that that version of You're Going to Die that is most healthily represented by an artist doing what they do best for an audience. In the beginning, when You're Going to Die was just an open mic at Viracocha. You've heard me talk about it if you've been listening to other episodes of the podcast or know the history at all of what we do. The history also includes lots of artists showing up and performing sharing poetry and words, playing music, and John Elliott got involved in that part of our history years ago. I met him at this venue called Bottom of the Hill, pretty famous, sweet venue in San Francisco. I met him because he got called in last minute to play a set for my buddy Andrew Blair's show, and they were friends, and that's how we got introduced. And the way I always explain meeting John and wanting to be more with John was that meeting him and seeing him perform, especially because the introduction was alive and uh, energetic, like things can be with John. But when he was on stage, it was like seeing someone do what they do really well and then wanting to be best buddies with them at a minimum barbecue with them, which we have absolutely never done, but it's the best way to explain what it felt like seeing John Elliott perform in front of that audience and in front of me for the first time. And since then, John's been a part of quite a few of the You're Going to Die experiences. And we've also become really close friends. And while an episode like the last episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with Alua Arthur is a slice of the version of You're Going to Die intersecting with other death and dying movements in the world. That's how Alua Arthur and I know each other. This episode represents the version of You're Going to Die that loves artists and musicians especially. And I think what particularly comes out of that, especially early in You're Going to Die's history, was me learning from musicians and writers and how they deal with the harder parts of being mortal through creativity and their creative output and performance of that output, performance of what they make. And and especially those artists that have deep intuition around what's needed and what an audience needs and what they need to express at a certain time and vulnerability, realness in, in like the moment, like you feel like they're on stage as a, a friend might be on stage. I think that's what I felt about John. And so the people that I've really connected to and since first meeting them and hearing them perform has led to me becoming friends with so many of these artists. And while there can be someone who shows up at a show and plays that one song perfectly that they've done 300 times at 300 open mics before, there's another type of performer who's really attentive to what the space and the moment of the event needs. And John Elliott really, really brings that to his, his art. And I am so grateful to have him in my life, not just because of all that, but because of how he's been for me as a friend. John Elliott is a singer, song cyclist. His new most recent album is called The Information Age and is a 24 track recording in two parts. He also produces an almost monthly podcast called Audiodes, which I've been on and loved being on. I think I might have been on a couple times, but I'm not bragging. I just want you guys to know. You can find out more and listen to that podcast at audiodes.net, A-U-D-I-O-D-E-S.net. John produces a lot of, not just his podcast, but a lot of his own music. 
And he looks forward to singing his songs in a three-dimensional space again with other human beings being present, in particular that version of singing songs in three-dimensional spaces, the ones that have people listening. I look forward to that too. Just a trigger warning, this episode definitely deals a lot with depression and suicide and those parts of life and um, hopefully the way we engage around all of it offers something of what you need right now. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with John Elliott. I don't want to frame it as I'm on the other side of it and it's all it's all good because that's not true. I mean, it's true that right now I'm not experiencing the feeling of darkness that I have for months and months and months at a time, but I also don't, I think it would be presumptuous to say that I, that that feeling will not return. In fact, I expect it to in some way. I, I was just, I mean, I was just thinking today because I went on, I went and got Trader Joe's. I did my bike ride to get Trader Joe's, mm -hmm. you know? This morning. And, <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm in woman's tights, pink and purple woman's tights, and my bike outfit with my pink sunglasses <laughs> yeah. and huge yellow bike bags and a eight pack of Trader Joe's toilet paper tied on a front bike rack with bungee cords wrapped around my neck. <laughs> You know, and I, it's like, I'm just thinking like, I, like, I am a new person. The, if, if 2009 me with a belt around my neck, like literally wanting to be dead, waking up every day and wanting to be dead for months, could see, the, could see that image. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like insane. I definitely died. I have died. I've mm -hmm. died several times. And then, and still not, and then been alive again. Mm -hmm. But do you, would you really say that this time, I don't know what it, my sense of you as a friend is that this time feels different. And I almost could say, like why I can confidently say this, not having known you all your life. But my sense is this is different from all, all other times where you got onto the other side. But it's cumulative. It's cumulative. Mm -hmm. If I Why? look how, at how so? If I look at the recovery in 2010 and then I think of the recovery in 2013. Mm -hmm. Speaking uh, I mean, you know, the words are the labels get so troubling here, but let's just call it depression for what it's worth, darkness, impending doom, waking up every day and not wanting to be alive but still carrying on. Mm -hmm. It's like by 2013 I mean, yeah, 2012, 2013, when I would come out of one of those periods, or no, when I would go into one of those periods, I wouldn't believe it as fully as I did in the years before then. Hmm. I would know oh, because I I'd already come through it. So I yeah, know right. that, oh, it was a horrible feeling. It was like, oh my God, I'm going to feel like this for six to nine months in some cases for a year. And when you go, when I would go down, I mean, there was, I really knew that that's how it was going to be. Mm. And that's a horrible, I mean, it's a horrible realization. But so, the difference from a couple years before to getting used to that, you get honestly, like getting used to it mm -hmm. is like, okay, well, so this means I'm going to be thinking like this for a very long time. I'm going to start watching a lot of Seinfeld, <laughs> you know, like it's just a different mode. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but it's not a crisis cause I'm not, I'm going to feel better again eventually. Mm. And once you've, I mean, literally Ned, like wanting to be dead, wishing I was dead. Yeah. If someone would get, have given me like, had been like, you can just be dead. You don't have to like take action to do that. You can just die. I would have taken that deal. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then I didn't die. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's like every, every year since then, since that initial really, really bad long stretch and then coming out of that, 
almost feels like a bonus life to me. Yeah, yeah. I, when when I hear people, <laughs> what that when I hear people like talk like that when they come to the open mic and they say, I either tried to kill myself or this is how dark it got. This is how close I got. And then to have them be where they are, like you here now to feel the proximity of that loss in your aliveness. It's very particular experience for me. Yeah. To really feel that in what you're describing. Maybe partly because I don't, it's strange because I don't, I mean, I feel like I'm in a rough stretch, but I still think I can kind of categorize most of it as four days and then three days off, <laughs> three days on, yeah, uh, four more days here, two days are okay here. But when I, when I, talk to you about that period of your life and lived it as much as you'd let me during that time. Uh, and I mean that, you know, where you just couldn't, I know you couldn't even meet up cause it was too bad. Uh, it seems like it was not that kind of schedule. It seemed like it was real far reaching and, and nonstop. Does that? Yeah. Does I that, think every, I mean, everybody's experience with, their moods and their feelings of darkness or lightness. I think they have different patterns. Mine, for some reason, were, and I really do, I can think of it as a past tense now. I know. Were um, very, very, very long. I don't know. This is one of the things I was going to say about, like, something that I'm feeling about the pandemic and this, like, feeling that it's, like, ending, you know, like... Which it's not. I know people are still suffering, but the vaccine's getting out there. You're starting to get texts. People want to hang out. Yeah. People are trying to get their things going again. The Instagram's ramping back up. The slowing down that mm-hmm. the pandemic has enforced. And the, I mean, I used, I, in my typical life for the last two decades, I'm gone half the year traveling around wherever, playing music wherever, running around home for a couple of weeks, gone again to somewhere else. And I mean, this is the longest I've been in one place my entire adult life. Mm-hmm. And it's been kind of wonderful. Mm-hmm. Not kind of, it's been wonderful. Yeah. It's been challenging in its own ways, but when I really think about it, it's been wonderful. Yeah. When I think about that you went through that dark stretch i wonder how much it helps now having having the wisdom that you have having the this won't last forever experience that you describe the i don't really believe this through and through while the pandemic you believe it but your emotional experience of all this stuff you you're not like getting lost in the seas of say you know sadness about the stuff that comes up you know in pandemic related so again, nut, nutshell of that is that I feel like ha- having gone through the dark parts of your life has helped. It's helped you be in this part of life in um, maybe more centered, stronger, positive ways. I, I, that's a, that's very. Ins- I think that's true. I've never thought about it that way. I think that's really insightful. It's almost like it's a vaccine to darkness. Mm-hmm. To have he went through the sickness already. Everybody was having a great time. And I'm like, I wish that I were dead. Everyone's yes. like living their lives. And yes. I was like, and like for, I mean, cumulatively, Ned, over my life, we're talking like five years. When I've dwelled in that, it, I get so depressed about it because I'm like, oh my God, five cumulative years, I would have gotten back in my life if you add it all up. Like that's tragic. But at the same time, though, what I was going to say is, I think there's a purpose for depression. I think it serves a purpose. I've heard it said different ways, like it's a deep rest is one thing I've heard people say. But, you know, they say that it lies to you, that depression lies to you. And I actually don't think that that's true. I think it tells you the truth. And it's really hard to hear that sometimes. 
And so specifically with the touring thing or being a musician, that identity, that concept, I've spent cumulative five years hating myself as a musician and hating everything I've made and questioning why do you have to go play in front of a group of people and have them quietly listen to you and then intermittently applaud and like stare facing at you for 90 minutes why does that give you some feeling of worth and validation and like really thought about that and then tried to understand it and reckon with it so now the pandemic happens and it's not happening. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, I don't, it's pretty bizarre to derive worth from that. Mm. At the same time, that it's definitely, I mean, dude, it's my favorite thing to do to play in front of a group of people. So that's a bummer. I think about it like, okay, you can't have that. So what's your life mean? Or how are you going to make meaning out of this instead? Like, yeah, I feel like it. the law loss of that particular outlet has me practicing not always well in fact mostly not well being in the satisfaction of here and now yes you see like you go on a bike ride is even like it's a matched experience to being on stage and plus you're really exercising and you're getting sun and you know you're moving Oh my God. I mean, consistently getting exercise, that doesn't happen when you're touring. Consistently eating healthfully, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen when you're touring. Consistently right. getting good sleep. My my friend was saying yesterday too, this is such a good point. You can really be present because there are no plans. <laughs> I mean, you now people are starting to make plans and I feel that anxiety creeping up again. Like, okay, mm-hmm. God, maybe I should start to think about like October. That. Like, am I going to... When am I going, you know, when you have something like that on the calendar, you never really are fully present because you're always working toward this next trip. Yeah, I totally relate to that. How has um, music helped this year? How, how's your relationship to music been getting through this year? And then also I want to go back to what music was like in those dark times, because I feel like you were still writing and producing songs and albums and yeah i don't know i have not been that creative in times like that oh, okay i That's think of that more wondering. as like fallow the the field must lie fallow mm-hmm. and the fruit comes in the spring you know it's mm-hmm. like i i have written things in that time but it's actually really sad. It's a sad feeling because you like can't, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. You'll like mm-hmm. try to write something and it just feels just like everything sucks. So that sucks too. You yeah. Know? That, would, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can talk about the first time you came to, you're going to die. Do you remember? I'm thinking about that. Yeah. I I mean, it was definitely in that Viracocha underground basement venue is what, is when we met that's where you were doing it i do remember an impression of i've said this to you before but because i haven't had a lot of people die in my world people that i'm really really close to although that's that's actually starting to change a little bit but um i remember thinking that maybe i don't have a lot to connect to something like that and then when i saw when i came to the show it was the opposite it was such a special it wasn't just i mean people share all kinds of things there and whatever that <laughs> there's i mean i was laughing so hard yeah it was your introduction to you're doing the introduction to nick jana's episode and you're just kind of like talking through the introduction and then you're like i mean he is going to die nick is going to die and i'm gonna die so we have that in so for that for <laughs> that like, reason there's just this beautiful there really is a beautiful it really brings everybody just right on the same. Right, doesn't it? Yeah. Puts you right there, you know? <laughs> on and then the level. you take it from there. And totally. I remember, I, I don't know if you, do you remember the All the Stars Are Dead performance? Yeah, yeah. yeah I've never forgotten that. I, it like, it, it affects me weekly. I will think, well, maybe not weekly, but monthly. <laughs> I'll think of that. Yeah. From that show, it's like a dark, it was like a dark, cold December night. Mm-hmm. And that woman got up there. Oh man, it's amazing what people share in that space. It is so cool. Yeah, it is. And I just amazing. remember that that line. All this, t- 
It's mm-hmm. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that, that really Did she that keep really repeating it too? Me. All the stars yeah. are dead. All the yeah. stars are dead. It was just like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that invitation for uh, that you felt in the beginning of coming to You're Going to Die is that uh, there is, yeah, so much loss and death all around us and so then while we may be in parts of our life especially say earlier parts of our life we don't experience loss intimately and personally as much like literal death of of our friends and family and while like you said it's eventual we're still getting like a lot of just grief you know waves from what's happening around us and and a lot of your music holds that kind of loss I mean, the earliest songs I love are connected to, like, war and the inequalities that face people in a lifetime, especially your, I think, vast understanding of cultures of people and how they've been impacted and how your songs touch on those parts of of history and the world. So you're just like holding with your music, both I th- I would imagine, and I'd like to hear you speak to this, but the still very dark things that you live through, which is just, what is that grief? Like what is waking up wanting to be dead every day? And why does that have a place that you're going to die? Just as much as someone showing up and saying like, my mom died, you know, right. what is the connection? Yeah. Well, for one thing, I mean, I was just thinking, Something that really, really hit me the other day, because I am not feeling that right now, was that millions of people are. Someone listening to this mm-hmm. might be, I mean, yeah. It's. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it is really, really, really heavy to. I f- to understand, to like really understand that people are feeling the way that I have felt right now. Yeah. It's, I really, really feel for those people. I mean, anytime, anytime that I hear that someone has actually committed suicide and killed themselves, I, I like, I never had a plan and I never attempted to do that. I just thought about it incessantly when I hear that somebody actually not only had a plan, but carried it out and was successful, the first thing I think is just like, oh my God, that must have, they must have been suffering. So it must have been, I mean, literally unbearable, you know? And it's so sad because, and so there's no judgment there. Like I, I understand that. And at the same time, I know that that would have passed if they'd stuck, if they'd waited it out. Mm-hmm. I know it. I just know it. At least for just a second. And maybe that's not worth it. I mean, maybe it's just not worth it. I get, I hear that too. Because yeah, ultimately, you're that it would that, pass eventually and then would come back. Ultimately, you know? it doesn't matter. I mean, it really doesn't. We are all going to die and be completely forgotten. And that can be a really beautiful thing if you really, like, really, really understand that. It just doesn't matter. None of what you are doing matters <laughs> at all. I mean, you, you know, know like, I'm like in the Trader you know Joe's. You're speaking my language. I'm in the yeah. Trader Joe's, and the woman's like wheeling around the like banana stand, this like wooden thing that just holds all the bananas. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's just like this is so. The tragedy of dying to me is like just missing out on the party. You know? Like mm-hmm. it's so sad to know that someday. I will, the banana stand will be like wheeled around Trader Joe's and I will miss it. I will not get to be part of it. Yeah. That's really sad to me. Yeah. Because it's so weird. The whole thing is just the weirdest, tragic, <laughs> saddest, funniest experience. So I'm trying to imagine you sitting down with someone who is feeling what, you, what you're familiar with. And, and what you would say to them, 
right now. I, I would bet it's not like life. You're right. It is meaning. Maybe what? Maybe that's what you would say. It's like it, what it, you know. Life is meaningless. It's hopeless. It doesn't really matter. But here's why you should stay alive. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, what would you say? I mean, what? What? You know, was there a moment when you woke up one morning and felt like I wish I was dead? But like, do you remember the thought? Is there any time you had the thought, but? Man, it's really hard to remember the the but. Yeah. It really is hard to remember it, honestly. I mean, it's hard to remember that what that frame of mind is. Mm. Yeah. It's so rough. I mean, it's just it's just an endless avalanche of negativity. Everything connects to negativity. The banana stand is like the most horrific thing. Trader Joe's is a horrible place. When yeah, it's all way. it's all framed in the I, negative context. But I think context. what would I yeah. say to someone? I mean, I, I, more than anything else, I just, it's like I, you are not alone in feeling that way millions of people feel that way you know what here's what i would say because here's what i hate about the way that we as a culture think about about uh, suffering i guess it's okay to suffer it's okay to suffer for months and years it's okay it's not tragic it's not wrong there's nothing wrong with you you know They've got, you know, anybody that's feeling that way is Google searching and Google's telling them, here's a pill that'll make you feel better in two to four weeks. Oh, great. Okay. Because you're supposed to feel better, right? And all the ads are, you feel better. And they're being diagnosed with bizarre titles that have just been made up by the same people that said homosexuality was a mental illness in the seventies. They've got a whole list of them. And they can label anybody, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. It's totally tragic the way that we live our lives. <laughs> the world we've created is, <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's literally dying because it's so unnatural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. You know, I'm like, it's actually, it's like, yeah, it's great that it's been like really nice and sunny here in January and February, but it's not supposed to be, it's supposed <laughs> <Yeah>. to be raining. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's totally, it, in fact, this, the insanity is not feeling overwhelmingly full of despair. Mm. That's insane. The insanity of these people in there. I mean, whatever. I don't mean to call anybody insane. That's not fair. <laughs> if your reality is the guy that I almost just ran over me on my bike in his like BMW SUV. And then I watched him like run into Chipotle. That's fine. I, I'm not going to judge that person. But clearly I am. But I'm not. And I, you know what? That guy who almost ran over the guy in the tights on the bike with the toilet paper bungee corded to the front like what does he think of me yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. fuck this he's guy on, he's, he's doing an interview on a podcast he's like dude i got right I now have, i have an app exactly let's act that guy out so what what was today like you go shopping did you get any food <laughs> man i had an hour on my lunch break in this these freaking bicycle riders <laughs> uh yeah but that's honestly that's that's a I really think that's important. I think that we need to be okay with suffering and we need to mm -hmm. be okay with, it's just okay. It's okay to feel that way. But <clears throat> whoa, <clears throat> sorry, sorry about that. Uh, hey, everybody. <laughs> sorry, that was supposed to be like a gentle, a gentle, gentle interruption in uh, in the episode there, just to just to pop in your ear kindly, and I just like gutturaled you. I gutturaled you. Uh, hello. Yeah, just taking a minute. The usual. 
the usual break in our episodes to take a minute to acknowledge our sponsor. Still feeling beyond grateful for Curacao Chocolate and their support of our podcast. They are making unbelievably great chocolate in the world. And I got to tell you, I can measure how great it is by by saying this. This is me trying to get across to you how good the chocolate is. They sent me a bunch of samples of their chocolate, a, a big box of 20 things, and I ate it all. <laughs> I, ate, I ate it. All right? Don't shame me. I, I mean, I've admitted that I have a sugar addiction, but... You know, I, I know chocolate that even with my sugar addiction, I maybe wouldn't eat it that quickly, maybe even wouldn't ever eat it. But this chocolate is so ridiculously good. The only thing I have left is their drinking chocolate. Just to be clear, there's two brands. You can go to curacaochocolate.com, C-O-R-A-C-A-O chocolate.com. And you can get bars that have like gooey goodness in them. They're like little blocks of just exploding yummy. And then there's long regular like chocolate bars that you would expect, which actually also sometimes has oozing yummy ingredients. A bunch of stuff that I've tried that I cannot get enough of. The almond butter bars, creamy almond butter with 81% dark chocolate, salted caramel bars. It's cashew butter caramel. It's like healthy chocolate. There's a Berkeley bars. If you want to like represent you live locally in the Bay Area, it's caramel, nougat, and almonds. So good. I could eat those. I could eat like 40 of those. Um, but there were two and I ate them in like five seconds. There's hazelnut cream bars, superberry bars with asahi, pomegranate, and raspberry. Go to their website, curacalchocolate.com, and you'll see all these. But they also have another brand. Kokoko, it's drinking chocolate. That I have some left of, some. I'm drinking it so fast. I've tried their drinking chocolate, 60% rich dark with cinnamon and nutmeg. Oh, so good. This drinking chocolate, you don't know. You have to just get some and you can get some. You should go to their website and get some. We have a code, use the code chocolate. 20. That's the word chocolate with the numbers two and zero after it. And you get 20% off your order. Their mission is to create healthier, nourishing takes on your favorite chocolates from the purest ingredients on earth. They not only taste better, but leave you feeling great long after. They source certified organic cacao grown on biodynamic farms that support lush, green, ecological diversity. Their farmers are paid fair trade wages or more. And they make their chocolate with no cane sugar or refined sugar. Their chocolates are 100% organic, 100% vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, peanut-free, soy-free. So much goodness going on there. So go to curacaochocolate.com. Again, it's C-O-R-A-C-A-O chocolate.com. And buy some chocolate. You're not only getting chocolate for yourself, which is awesome at a great discount, really good chocolate, but you're also kind of making a vote for the podcast. You're letting Curacao know that you care about the podcast, you listen to the podcast, and want to keep listening to the podcast so that they should keep sponsoring the podcast. So definitely go to the website, curacaochocolate.com, use your code, and get your 20% off. Whew, I gotta take a breath. I get. I think I get like a little high even talking about the chocolate. So I just wanna like let us all take a breath real quick. As strange and weird as it is, us mortal beings on this blue ball floating in space, I'm just sitting here in my garage talking to you about chocolate and music and death. You're where you are. And somehow, I guess we're together for now.
one of the best gifts one of my best friends gave me at a really dark time is I had my I he came over to give me some support and I showed him my to-do list which was like go for a jog you know it was just all this stuff and he was like I hate that to-do list I <laughs> yeah. hate it I want well. to rip up that to do and that was such a gift it was like yeah you don't have to do anything that's kind of what I really saying. you don't have to do anything but not die <laughs> yeah not kill right. yourself mm. that's what you have to not do that's mm. the only thing you have to do is not do that yeah and then anything else I, it doesn't matter watch Seinfeld <laughs> yeah you know whatever it is what I'm feeling right now is really straight up like the part of us that makes suicide and dying wrong and that there's people in in the world who have have had to like take their life and that freed them from something that nothing nothing fixed uh, the unbearable suffering they were going through. I mean, think about like Robin Williams in this last stretch that he had coupled with his mental illness. He has like a physical occurrence that's compounding what he was going through already emotionally and that he reached a point partly because it wasn't diagnosed correctly, maybe that he couldn't live with it anymore. And I know it's I do mean to bring this up as like you and me talking and maybe we don't include this in the podcast, but I just wonder about that i wonder about the person out there that's like no this is unbearable like i don't like i you you even said it like i wouldn't i don't want to keep living this even if there's a a a month that's really great eventually yeah but you i mean i agree with you and i know that what the common response to that is um yeah, I don't know if you can include this. I think it's okay to kill yourself. I think yeah. it's okay to make that choice. But I don't think it's the right choice. Yeah. Do you know what and, I mean? And it's also it's not really us. Not, it's not it, for us to decide that, right? No, to no. To tell but, other people, like, it's okay to kill yourself. It's like someone who gets to that is what we're describing. Like a person who is okay with killing themselves. Yeah, but they shouldn't is what I'm yeah. saying. It's yeah, okay to do it, but but it's really, really tragic to do it because it's a total... It's a miracle <laughs> to, you know. Yeah. It's a miracle. <laughs> it really is. It's, 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 it's so ridiculous that we are even created <laughs> well, into mean, something that can go to Trader Joe's. <laughs> I mean, just sitting here like on the very edge of my desk because I can't fit my microphone and my weird sound block thing in front of the computer (laughs) and be looking in the corner of my camera, looking at you on your uh, green screen of the Great Highway in San Francisco, like almost like lounging while you have these big white headphones on and your your little pop guard. And my garage band is going and I've got a little weird like library lamp on like just this whole vision of the miracle it's so ridiculous it's like it's miracle in a way that it's like it's ridiculous yeah it's ridiculous what we're we're getting to live through well and you can you you have no idea what might be the version of how the story might unfold Mm -hmm. you have no idea I mean the, it's, there's this one. It's worth waiting. It's worth it. It really, really is worth it. Even if it never gets better, honestly, it's worth it just to see how it turns out. Mm. There's like a famous story about Samuel Beckett. I don't know if this is true or not, but he's like, I've heard this story that he's on his deathbed, dying of cancer or something, and uh, one of his one of his friends <laughs> visits him and says, "Well, at least Sammy, at least it can't get any worse." And he just like goes into this painful laugh, just starts laughing, but it's so painful to laugh. And it takes him like 15 minutes to recover from the painful laughing and breathing. And then he finally goes, it can always get worse. (laughs) You know, it's like, we don't know. We don't know. I remember, I, I wanted to share this. I remember, um, sitting 
I've just have the clearest. Have you heard the term flashbulb memories? Have you ever heard of that? Uh, it sounds familiar, but it's like a psychological it term that certain moments in your life are almost like a frozen picture. You can just remember that moment exactly. And not every moment is like that. I don't remember any of the moments around this moment, but I remember sitting on the pavement in Echo Park in Los Angeles and eating a <laughs> and eating a burrito and deciding I'm going to leave here. I'm going to move. I'm not going to live here anymore. I have only negative things to give. I have only negative feelings about being here. And that's has no that's no fault of this place. It's just what's happening with me. But no positivity is going to come from all this negativity. It's just not going to happen. I'm going to have to leave. I remember that moment. But I had no. I there have been so many things that have happened since then that were not even in my even in my idea of what might happen. I mean, that just like completely new lives and new relationships were mm. I mean and new <laughs> love and then love lost again and then mm. refound in other ways and yeah I just I it's think... really it really and it could all fall apart again and then happen again it's just an ongoing unfolding I don't know to anybody that is feeling that sense of unbearable despair it's okay to feel that way but you gotta stick around you gotta stick <laughs> around you gotta stick around and see what's gonna happen you got to and there's nothing wrong with you that you're feeling that way it's okay to feel that way you gotta stick around you have to <laughs> yeah. you never know you don't that overwhelming emotion that I have hearing you talk about ever considering or imagining taking your life you know and oh my that, God. that you were that close let's say in la in some part of that life the choice you made then was our friendship <laughs> and i mean i don't mean to i don't mean to add so much significance to our friendship but like you literally chose us getting to be friends right. no, by totally. saying yes. so many moments think about that's amazing to think about the power of that mm -hmm. and that's the mm -hmm. tragedy that's, also that's of it. someone dying is then that's being shut off mm -hmm. yeah, but exactly. yeah it's that definitive yeah it's that definitive mm -hmm. oh my god ned that's such a beautiful way to think about it mm -hmm. and you know this actually brings it back to music a little bit where it gets really personal for me is that's really like my passion and what I feel is my way to connect with the world and express myself. And also my little like leavings for when I die, there'll be yeah. these like your legacy song. Yeah, for real. And then that'll eventually, I realize that that will go away too, but for a while <laughs> it'll be there, you know? Yeah, for sure it will. And oh my God, when I think of how many songs that people have told me in retrospect that song helped them that i would not have created if i had not been here to create them yeah right right that's a real bummer bummer that's such a ridiculous way to say it that's a really that's really sad tragic we'll edit that. We'll uh, edit that. Ooh. how do we really sort of square that circle <laughs> What does that mean? Let's talk about circle Can square. We, will you explain to me what that means? I hear it said a lot now, and I don't know what it means to square a circle. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not taking the the interview in that direction. Okay. Uh, if we have time at the end, we can come back to okay. come back to that. Sorry, thank you. Um, good, no, very no, good I, hosting. Good hosting. I have uh, forgotten it, and I'm glad that it could end up in the episode. Um, but I feel like another thing to add on to that is this is it's been a emotional interview but no shit dude i'm exhausted it's, yeah. <laughs> it's 4 30 i'm so tired <laughs> it's the uh you getting through that time to someday meet me and make this friendship and then you knowing how to be with my dark 
parts and show up during my really hard times. That sort of cycle and build and connectedness all going back to, well, <laughs> there's lots of things that came before you sitting on that, on that L.A. piece of ground and making that decision, but, but just really feeling the through line and power of, of that yes, or maybe not even a yes, just like, all right, no to that, no to like, no to stopping this. Like, well, I will the go yes, forth. but the yes is to keep on going. Mm-hmm, right. That's the yes. The yes is rather than just call it. Yeah. Which I understand that imp- impulse. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, maybe I'll just move to the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? that, that was a thought. <laughs> what is that? Like, you know, why, I guess, you know, I hear my friend has like a cheap place in West Oakland. Maybe I'll, you know, just following the crumbs. So that was a track from John Elliott. And if you want to listen to more of his music and find out more of what he's up to, including his podcast, check out his merch and find out when he's doing another show online, you can go to thehereafterishere.com. That's the hereafter, T-H-E-H-E-R-E, after, A-F-T-E-R, is, I-S, here. H-E-R-E dot com. I don't know why I spell out. It's like, I feel like there's a natural way you can spell out websites and, and, but it doesn't always work very smoothly. Um, but how did that sound to you, Nick? Was that clear? Like if you were listening, do you think you would have been able to access that website? 
do you think that anybody like listens to an audio recording of a website spelled and really <laughs> types it out anymore that's, or they're just like i'm uh, just gonna google it right i'll figure it out that's a good point right? that's a really good point well that that's that's good i'm glad you mentioned that because if you just put john elliott in john elliott in you're going to get to john which is actually a clothing line and so just be careful of that and you know i'll put the i'll put the link in the liner notes to make it even easier for you that's what i need to keep saying check the liner notes for the podcast do they have some nice slacks though uh based on what i'm seeing here uh <laughs> they got ready to wear men these are not by the way our listeners this is not a sponsor but they have men and women's ready to wear sweatshirts <laughs> denim and teas made in la and japan oh speaking of sponsors uh do we do we have the same sponsor this episode uh i think we held on to that <laughs> that relationship <laughs> the, the first episode they sponsored yeah went well enough that they're still i actually didn't ask i just assumed they're they're still sponsoring us uh do you have anything to say about Cora Cow chocolate, Nick? You you seem like you had some stuff you wanted to say. I've probably eaten more of it than almost anyone who doesn't work there because my wife works there <laughs> and she yeah. brings home a lot. And so I'm very knowledgeable about their products. And I have to say, um, I, I love a good Berkeley bar. Uh, I mm. used to like uh, Snickers back when I was a kid. But if you want... Yeah, you hear that, guys? I, I mentioned want, that one earlier. If you want like a really quality... Well, maybe I can't say other brand names here, but if you want <laughs> like a really yeah, good, like, you know, a uh, creamy nougat kind of candy bar type bar. Ooh, the Berkeley bar from Coracao is good. Oh, so good. The, the After, Duck, our After Dark Fudge bar comes in these like, um, it's just that, that more like classic candy bar shape where you just like bite into it. It just feels good to hold. The, I haven't had that the yet. Caramel oh. bar. I've had them all. I mean, they're all good, but, um. There's some that are transcendent. I've had so many times when I've bitten into Coracao chocolate and I'm just like, I'm glad I'm alive. Like, I'm glad mm. I'm a human being in a body. Like, with all the suffering, with all the <laughs> with all yeah. the inconvenience and just the, oh, God, why did I have to, why do I have to put up with this, you know? There's, there's moments when you just are like, oh, there's, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, Coracao. Well, there is so much good intention behind that company. And you, I feel like you got to feel that. You buy like a six pack of Hershey's bars and bite into one of those, and you, you can just feel the suffering. I don't know if you could. I don't know if <laughs> Sorry, you can are do we not that supposed to mention ads? that? Can we I don't think you can that? disparage other brands. <laughs> okay. I uh, <laughs> forget I said that, you guys. Uh, but check out Coracao chocolate.com you know the website i'm not going to spell it for you but remember our code chocolate two zero i'm not going to spell chocolate for you but chocolate two zero you can use that in your cart get 20 percent off let them know you heard it from here first nick i wanted to talk to you about what it was like for you to listen to this conversation between john and i and and what it was like to to work on the work on that yeah i mean I, I know john a little bit and i've met him and he's got such a like clear voice like not just literally but just his just being like clearly shines through and you know to hear him talk about the depths of depression that i know well and i know how well a person can hide that and how you don't necessarily know that by knowing a person um but there were a couple times you know i listened through a few times editing it and a couple times where just was like sobbing and i was thinking maybe you've thought about this before but do, do you have different terms for like different types of tears i know there's like sobbing and crying and weeping but like terms that like tell you like where the tears come from and like what they do because these felt like street cleaning tears these felt like get the gunk out kind of tears that like bring a new day to them you know what i mean yeah, I um, I haven't categorized my tears that specifically. Uh, it may be that they just run all together. It just it's too blurry, and I can't really figure out what stops when between the kinds of tears. But as a writer, I'm not surprised you would put such good words to just even that specific kind of tear you shed for the interview. Yeah, and it just it it's such a special moment to hear two dudes. Uh, being vulnerable and crying together, you know, that's a really rare thing. And it's really 
special and just holding those moments and you know the, the moment where he's thinking of what he would say to somebody in that same position of being that sad and <clears throat> it's just amazing how we can put up with our own suffering but then when we think of it on others sometimes it's more unbearable when we think of somebody else going through that but so often we'll just be like oh I'll, i can take it i'll get i'll get through it in the midst of all that he brings he just sort of randomly says squaring the circle and he asks you what does that mean and you're like let's not get distracted <laughs> and i'm listening and i'm just like squaring the circle it's a it's a term from alchemy so i i love studying alchemy and it basically means like integrating the four elements the body the spirit the mind and and the soul um uh integrating all of those into a whole and to me crying is an alchemical process it, you know salt and water um being formed through an emotional transformation and being expelled like you can't push a tear back in you can't reverse that process you know that's that's like the sign of a true transformation it's just one way so he said that and i was like it's alchemy you're doing it right <laughs> yeah, now you're you're, yeah. <laughs> you're embodying the whole like you're bringing it all together that's good that's so good cool so you want to do a review yeah, there's a review here from Jar of Carmina. I don't think I read this one before. Like having a hand to hold. We're not good at dealing with or talking about death. You're going to die. Organization is like having a hand to hold while we peer at it, looking at it from different perspectives, wondering at the mystery, and gently reminding us that the complex feelings we feel while looking at death are valid. Ned Buskirk is incredible at holding space for others in person, but also in this podcast for both his guests, as well as us, the audience. I highly recommend for anyone who is curious about looking at death's impact on our day-to-day -day experiences, but just want a hand to hold while doing it. Mm. Yeah, this podcast is a... I like that uh, idea. As It's a hand to hold, or a hand holding your ear. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would, that might bring up like, your ear getting pinched and dragging you along or something. But that feels like a great way to end my day is those words. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Welcome. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time. Bye. Bye.